Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your daily source for everything happening in Chicago and around the world. Today on the show, a culture of abuse in women's soccer. A jaw-dropping investigation has found that abuse and misconduct were systemic in the U.S. Women's Soccer League. The report found the abuse is, quote, rooted in a deeper culture in women's soccer, beginning in youth leagues, end quote. Joining us now to talk through details of the report is WBEZ sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout. Also with us is Annie Costabile, Chicago Red Stars beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. Thanks for joining us. Annie, let's start with you. What does this report say? Well, I before we get into what the report said, I think we have to just, you know, acknowledge incredible reporters at The Athletic and The Washington Post who, without their reporting, this this report wouldn't even be here at this moment. So mm-hmm. the, the credit needs to be acknowledged as, as far as they go and the work that they did to uncover the abuse that existed in the NWSL. But the report itself goes into three teams, the Portland Thorns, Paul Riley, Rory Dames and the Chicago Red Stars, and then Christy Holly. And Racing Louisville. I see. And it details specific cases and and instances where abuse and misconduct took place under the leadership of those coaches and under under their reign with these specific teams and the people who knew about it. Mm. And it ends with recommendations. And some of those recommendations include putting specific people in place that can be reported to that can assure steps are taken when any type of misconduct does take place because a lot of this report details how how people kind of pushed it off onto the next person and it continued to get pushed off onto the next person and everyone thought someone else was going to take care of it to a point where these coaches in Paul Riley's case and Christy Holly's case were able to to go from team from to team, team to team yeah and the abuse and misconduct was able to to fester and grow. And why was this report commissioned in the first place? Like who initiated that? Um, U.S. Soccer initiated after Meg Linehan and the Athletics reporting on on Paul Riley and um, sexual coercion, allegations of sexual coercion and misconduct that took place under under his coaching I see. reign at at. The Portland Thorns. Cheryl, how has the uh, NWSL or players, how have they responded? Well, the, the thing is they also have another investigation going on with them, with mm-hmm. their union. So it, this is, we will probably see Multi-layered. More. Multi-layered. Mm-hmm. Um, at least when they got a collective bargaining agreement done in May, they have some footing because they had nowhere to go. There was nobody, you know, everyone had the power and the control and was able to squash any type of misconduct and let these people go on and on and on. And so these women had no place to go. So hopefully for them, they have a place to go where they feel comfortable. As we all know, when women are being abused, no matter what, if it's physical, if it's mental, whatever, it's difficult to talk, find somebody to trust. Mm-hmm. And they, they got to build trust with these players and with, with the not just the coaches, with the owners and the executives. Everyone's a culpable for what they have. Just that movement that Annie just described, the fact that they were able to jump from team to team to team, like, I don't know where I get my trust from when I know that it was just so fluid. 
And, you and remember, there was five of five of the ten coaches were dismissed or, or all left. in all last year. And if I can add too to your point about the players, just within the Red Stars organization, there was a sports psychologist that was hired to to speak with with players about abuse that that went on under Rory Dame's leadership, and seventy percent of those players. Express or described mm-hmm. what was abuse or misconduct, seventy percent didn't didn't know themselves that that's what it was, or didn't call it that themselves. So the conditioning that takes mm-hmm. place in sports, in women's sports, in youth is, sports, in particularly youth sports, that's where exactly. it starts. And that is wow. what is so alarming about this, and something that as as human beings, we need to sit down and think about how we are conditioning young women and young young humans to to receive coaching yeah. to to receive sports and, and what's okay what's acceptable and you mentioned the red stars any any comment from the team no comment no comment uh us soccer president cindy parlo cone called the findings heartbreaking and deeply troubling have fans weighed in cheryl well, you know, the, the fans, they're going to weigh in, if, you know, the way they think that they, they, there's too many fans that don't understand the whole gravity of this. And and this report is important for them to read, to hear about, to know, especially if they have a young son, daughter that wants to play sports. They should be aware of this because this could happen to their children. Mm-hmm. So they should be part and parcel part of the solution, too, to make sure this doesn't happen at the ground level. Yeah. And that's very that's, – that's so concerning. Because kids have, they get used to a point where they could lose playing time, they could be cut from a team, they can be traded. You know, in, in, as far as like with the Red Stars and and mm-hmm. and the women's soccer. Which, when you're an athlete, that's huge. That's everything. And, and if you but don't, that's all of our conditioning. They're exactly. conditioned to be afraid of being traded, of being right. They're losing their playing time. So I got to keep my mouth shut. Exactly, and right. that starts at such a young, young level. Right. Uh, as we mentioned, this particular investigation focused on three coaches in the league, including Paul Riley, who worked with uh, Sinead Forelli and Mana Shim. But half of the head coaches in this 10-team league actually stepped down or were fired around the same time that Riley was fired. Cheryl, talk us through why that happened. Well, you you had this the story by The Athletic really started it. Mm-hmm. They started it, and, and that, that was like an explosion. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, everyone had to really look inward and say, uh-oh, we've got a real problem here. And, and now you have an investigation by the USFF. And, and the fact is, they knew this investigation was going to expose them for what they allowed. Mm-hmm. And once you have that exposure, then they know that they have to start getting rid of things. And Rory Danes wasn't easily let go. He wasn't let go. He no. was allowed to resign. Exactly. When the fact you get to resign and not be fired, that was unconscionable by the owner of the Red Stars. And can I just add, sure. the Red Stars, after they allowed Rory to resign, and then the Washington Post report, Molly... Uh, Molly was the reporter for the Washington Post who who uncovered the abuse that was going on within the Chicago organization. But no one within the Red Stars spoke to the media for four months. And when they did, they didn't speak to The Athletic or The Washington Post, either outlet that broke these stories. Why weren't they speaking? Because... They, they, they hold grudges. This happens in sports all the time. They will they will ace out anybody that breaks a story. I know it's happened to me, this so is, it does happen. This is what I want to say, though, about why they were empowered not to say anything. Because the 
media surrounding women's sports we know is is abysmal and when there's not accredited outlets showing up every single day to cover your team you can get away with not saying anything you can get away with not answering emails you can get away with taking your time to craft the perfect statement and the thing that you think is going to get get you away with this and that's exactly how everything falls through the cracks tell us more about allegations against paul riley and christy holly former coaches so both instances with with paul riley and and um Christy Holly, we have to acknowledge the strength that it took for players to come forward and speak about the abuse that happened against them. And as you mentioned, Manishim was one of those players, and it, it was the athletics reporting that uncovered abuse that took place at the hands of, of Paul Riley. But what happened after these these allegations, or, or going back to when these allegations actually took place, Paul Riley was not held accountable in that he was able to then move on to other organizations, the North Carolina Courage he moved on to. Okay. And what happened was when when the Portland Thorns let him go, again, it, it was, thank you for your time. We appreciate what you've done here. And there was no relay of why he was being let go. Ah, uh, okay. So without these players and their accounts of what happened – Paul Riley could still be coaching right now. Christy Holly could still be coaching right now. Wow. I want to get back, Cheryl, to Rory Dames, right? Mm-hmm. The other coach that's under fire here. He led, of course, the, the Red Stars. He faced sexual assault allegations decades yes. before this investigation began. 2014, he had, he had problems. He also had problems when he was at St. Fighters. Those who were found unfounded. That was a, a high school that he was involved with. But in 2014, uh, Kristen Press... Uh, like, came forward with a, with an issue and she was dismissed. You know, it was like, okay, you know, it, let's wipe our hands clean. And and when you have, an, again, the owner is the problem. When the owner doesn't take this seriously, and a, this that happened in 2014. Mm. This is eight years later. Well, didn't he have something else in the 90s? 90s with the St. Fighter High School. Yeah, there, wow. but it was, it was uh, the Arlington Heights Police investigated it. But it was considered unfounded, the allegation. But was still able to work with youth. Still able to work with youth. That's, that's after that. Again, when we talked about earlier, it, it's he if you, owns Eclipse Soccer Club. Yeah, out in Arlington Heights. Yeah. He still owns Eclipse Soccer Club. Yeah. So did no His one raise flags? His wife is with that too. No one raised flags at all? It was raised once and then it was dismissed. And that's the problem because, again, parents should be the ones that be pushing the, you know, don't have your kids work with him. Don't allow him to be able to coach your children. Yeah, but they want—they think that this is a, because he has the pro experience that their child can advance, and that's when they allow the dismissal of what happened with these people. And we mentioned that the the Red Stars uh, didn't fully cooperate with this investigation. No. What does that signal about their commitment for an abuse-free work environment? So, one thing that really stood out to me when. Arnim Whistler did speak to the media and did release a public statement was that his statement was laced with self-adulation. Like he was so, he was so proud of himself and what he did to help women's sports and to build up women's sports. And I've poured in my time and my effort and, and he was really proud of himself Mm -hmm. and he wanted everyone to be proud of him too. And the thing is that the credit may go to you for building an organization, but if you build it 
on shaky ground, is that really something to be proud of? And if you are not leading it in a admirable way, in a way that that protects players, in, in a way that professional sports should exist, then should you be the person in charge of it? Hmm. And and that's something that I don't think Arnhem Whistler in, in the last year has has confronted. And it's interesting because the Red Stars, about 19 months ago, they now expand it with more people ownerships. There's other people owning the team, but he has the majority. And so that layer of ownership that owns part of it, they're the ones going to have to have to say in this. They're going to have to say, look, you need to sell out. You need to mm-hmm. you know, get out of the business because this is a taint that will not go away. We know what happened with the Blackhawks. This is the same type of feeling that you're going to get with the Red Stars. Yeah. That's an important note as well for just, you know, the average listener or the average fan who, who may see this and wonder, why hasn't Arnhem Whistler been ousted? Why hasn't someone held him accountable yet? The NWSL used to be under the management of U.S. soccer. That ended in 2020. From its inception until 2020, they were under the management of U.S. soccer. Now they are managed by the owners. And so Uh. he needs to be held accountable. Everybody in this report is expected to be held accountable by the NWSL. Well, the report made recommendations to prioritize player health and safety. Um, What did it say there, Cheryl? You know, it it means that there has to be a means for them to be comfortable to be able to talk to somebody if there is a problem. But, you know, that should be standard. It should be expanded. They should have help. They should have. They should have a hotline, you know. Uh, you know that's what you have to have a hotline. Somebody that doesn't feel like being out there. They want to be anonymous. They got to be able to go to, to a path that feels comfortable for them. But there has to be accountability and there has to be transparency, and that's what's been missing from this league. And he did the report give specifics on how quote meaningful vetting of coaches and timely investigation into allegations of abuse. How is that going to be implemented? Again, that just goes to their recommendations, and it's Mm -hmm. going to be up to the NWSL to actually implement those recommendations because there's only so much that U.S. soccer can do. They can make suggestions, but but there's only so much that they can actually do to implement these changes. So, again, the the power remains in the owners owners who some of them were knowledgeable of all of this misconduct and abuse. That took place. And I, again, like I keep saying this, but these players, these people got away with this because these women were given an opportunity that was, that was scraps. It was, it was crumbs and, and, but they have dreams and they're the best in the world at Mm -hmm. what they do. And they have these dreams that they want to see, see happen. And when you're given crumbs, you keep, you keep begging for those crumbs and, and those crumbs they, they tried to build a league on those crumbs. Goodness. I want to dig a little bit deeper into these promises. The report shows the league failed to put in, quote, uh, respond uh, or failed to respond appropriately when confronted with player reports and evidence of abuse. What's preventing them from sweeping more allegations of abuse just under the rug, just continuing with this trend, Cheryl? Well, this is now out in the public. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have when, well, you, when, that. when you have that and, and also the collective bargaining agreement is going to be that's going to be the strength of the of the players that they will be able to ask for things and de- not ask, demand to have changes, mm-hmm. demand to have their voice being heard because they 
you know, yes, the owners control the money. They control a lot of things. But if the voices of the players are heard, and it should be heard, they will have the power. They can take that power back. Yeah. So I want to hear from both of you on this before we go. What does this mean then? What do you want the message, the overarching message, to be from all of this for that next generation of women soccer players who want to go pro? Annie, you first. It honestly makes me emotional because, like, this isn't just in women's soccer. This isn't, this is women experience this type of misconduct and abuse all the time in all different workspaces and places. And so I think what's important for the next generation is to exist in spaces that break the conditioning that many of us have experienced and are accustomed to. And that is going to take effort from the adults in the room. That's going to take effort from the people who have experienced this themselves and, and say no more. Find somebody to strengthen your strength. Find somebody in, you know, other players have to, they have to be, they have to be joined together to feel the power that they can have. And that's the only way it's going to change what's happening. And again, the ability to get the word out, I don't care if it's by social media, I don't care if it's by regular media, that's the only way to keep the message out there, to let them know that they don't have to hide anymore. That I, I want to add to, too. Without proper reporting on women's sports, stories like this go under the radar for years, for years. So if you are a fan of women's sports, if you are a fan of women's soccer, women's basketball, anything, and you don't see it represented in your the media company that you follow, reach out to them and say that you need to read about it. You need to hear about it. You need to see it. Because without Meg Linehan, without The Athletic, without The Washington Post and the reporting they did, who knows how many more years this could have gone without undetected. Without you too, right? Yeah. Well, thank you. But I, I just, it, yeah. we need this. We need reporting. We need yeah. eyes on it that can call it out, that can investigate it, that can, that can, Bring it to the public so that, like Cheryl said, it doesn't go un- untalked about. Yeah, it has. You have. We have to build the trust with them for sure. Cheryl raced out as a WBEZ sports contributor, and Annie Costable is a Chicago Sky and Red Stars beat reporter for the Chicago Sun Times. Thank you both so much. Thank, Thank you, you, Sasha. This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz and mixed by Ethan Schwab. For more conversations like this one or for other insight on news, politics, and culture, make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. We drop a new episode every weekday and Saturday, too. And if you're feeling generous today, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I'd never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. 
come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdat wherever you get your podcasts.